Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Jay Doherty Podcast. The Jay Doherty Podcast. The Jay Doherty Podcast. The Jay Doherty Podcast. The Jay Podcast. The Jay Doherty Podcast. Is breaking news on the Jay Doherty Podcast. Uh, now it looks like I'm getting some breaking news right now. The uh, president of... Uh, we have a great guest right near right now on the show today. Now we have a phenomenal uh, guest here on the show today joining me in studio. I'm very glad to have an in-guest studio today. Amazing interviews with amazing people. Hey everybody, this is David Axelrod of the Axe Files Podcast. Hey, this is Adam Hi everyone, it's Congressman Joe Kennedy. This is Kevin Drum. This is Ryan Clark. Hey, this is Mike Heideman. Hi, this is Patrick Kennedy. And you're listening to the Jay Doherty Podcast. You're listening to the Jay Doherty Podcast. And 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 you are listening to the Jay Doherty Podcast. celebration of the Jay Doherty podcast. Your questions answered about politics, production, and more. Also, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo was seen in a verbal altercation where he threatened a conservative man who allegedly called him Fredo. We'll talk about what this means and how CNN is reacting to the incident. Additionally, we are going to be following the United States and world markets, which have been rising and falling in the past couple of days as a result of tariffs being canceled. All that and more on episode number 100 of the Jay Doherty podcast. This is a special edition of the Jay Doherty Podcast. And now, broadcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty. That is correct, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Jay Doherty Podcast, episode number 100. Very glad to be saying those words. Didn't think, uh, you know, when I started this, I'd actually be saying that. But I'm very glad to be saying that, and I'm very glad to be sitting here in front of this microphone for the centennial celebration of the Jay Doherty podcast. I don't want to take too much time to talk about this whole legacy in, in the podcast as an entity itself, because I, I see these, and I'm just, this is just a little side tangent before we actually get going here, uh, I see all these these places that uh, uh, will you know totally take away from the content that the people actually came to see, the reason you're celebrating it, and they dedicate the whole episode for celebratory messages and, and things like that, but I don't really uh, want to do that. I, I do want to talk about it because it, th- this whole thing, this whole 100 episodes is not about me whatsoever. It is about you, the people who have been listening and the people who are listening right now. Um, I just want to thank literally anyone who has been uh, listening to this podcast since the beginning. We started in 2018. Uh, it's currently August 14th, 2019, 11.49 a.m., and uh, I, I have other podcasts. Uh, there's no podcast I've ever done that has run this long with this many episodes. This is just and, and, and it's just a great podcast. I'm so happy to be hosting it, um, and it's really just a, a great great podcast with great listeners. Many of the listeners, as promised for so long, um, I requested a lot of people just in the weeks leading up to this episode just to, uh, you know, text and call your questions in if you have any questions about my opinions or any questions about how I do this show, any behind-the-scenes stuff. Please, I, I always love when other hosts that I look up to do that, so I want to do that uh, for the people who listen to this podcast, 
I didn't get that many calls, but I got a lot of texts from listeners all around the country, um, and and I'm just very, very glad uh, to to see these, these questions. That's going to be the first lead segment, the main segment for this episode. I'm going to dedicate uh, the first part to answering your questions, and I also just want to just want to give a shout out to anyone that listens outside of the United States. Uh, the primary audience, of course, uh, is is in the United States. We have hundreds of weekly listeners within the United States. Um, thousands have downloaded the podcast, but or have listened to the podcast. Uh, but but we have listeners all. Not not regular listeners. I was sad to say. I wish we could grow to that, but we have we have some we have a good good base of listeners uh, throughout the world. In Canada, we uh, have uh, no, no no country. We have over a hundred uh, listeners besides Canada. Uh, you know, recurring listeners. But we have listeners, and I'm literally looking right now at this at the sheet of all of where the downloads come from, uh, thanks to Blueberry. Uh, Canada, Denmark, Chinese, Belize. China, sorry, Belize, United Kingdom, Mexico, France, Germany, India, Philippines, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, Italy, Ecuador, Norway, Czech Republic, Netherlands, Spain, Russia, Brazil, United Arab Emirates, uh, Belarus, Honduras, Bangladesh, Vietnam, Hong Kong, Saudi Arabia, Switzerland, Indonesia, uh, Japan, Venezuela, Egypt, Greece, Chile, Hungary, Malaysia, Macedonia, Israel, and Tanzania. We've had listeners from all of those countries, and I just want to give a big shout out to that because it really is very, very inspiring, um, and, and, and I'm very, very glad, uh, for everyone who's listened to this podcast. I am just, that, that is really just amazing to think about, uh, that there are people listening in countries like Russia, like Spain, like Indonesia, um, like Chile, like Hungary, and Malaysia, and, and even Tanzania, these, these smaller countries, the countries that I really don't even give much to, I don't talk that much about, I don't at least publicly give them much consideration, but I'm just so glad, uh, uh, to, to have such a diverse group of people listening to this podcast, because that is uh, truthfully my goal. I want to have that uh, and continue to promote the message. But, of course, I want to I wanna also thank all the listeners within the United States and in all around the world who listen to this podcast, because it truly is a, uh, a phenomenal opportunity, a great experience. Um, as many people know, I am just a one-man band. I do all the production. I write the scripts. I write the shows. Of course, I, I get sources from everywhere, uh, but I make the intros. I do, you know, the music and, and, and post and WordPress, so it's a lot of stuff, and just to see all these encouraging numbers and the places that people listen to, it is really incredibly uh, great, and, and I'm just so grateful for everyone who listens. So that's my little thank you. I also want to talk about today Chris Cuomo. He's gotten into the news. He threatened a guy who, who went up to him at a restaurant and called him Fredo. Um, very, very aggressive by Mr. Mr. Uh, Cuomo. Uh, and I actually saw the story as soon as it came out, before it was a big tabloid story the next day. It came out about 10.30 on... Uh, I think, I can't remember what day it was, I think it was Sunday night, actually, um, and this was before it was, uh, you know, in all the headlines the next day, uh, CNN, or Chris Cuomo jumped in front of the story, and we'll talk about why, uh, how CNN is responding to this, and also how, uh, people in the media are responding to this, including President Donald Trump, also huge hits on Wall Street today, the Dow down now, uh, almost 700 points, uh, and, 
there are uh, a lot of signs that the that a recession could begin. Uh, we're looking, we're monitoring markets in Iran, China, Hong Kong, Shanghai, and other places around the world, trying to find patterns here. And we'll have uh, all of that updated for you, listening live here on the internet radio or on the podcast. We have all of that live for you today. But as I promised, the first segment of today's podcast is going to be all about my about the behind the scenes show my opinions what you wanted to ask it's all dedicated to you and your questions so that is the goal of uh, this podcast episode today a lot of listeners here in Chicago very glad to see that um, uh, and I'll read the area codes just to give you a shout out maybe you know your text I, I selected some of them some of them were kind of spam or I didn't want to answer the questions just because I didn't think they were uh, they they were necessary to answer but if um, you have any questions of course you can always send them to the phone line 312-625-8492 that's the phone line you can call call or text it's open 24/7 and you can just ask any of the questions that you want maybe I'll do a continuation if we get um, a big results in the next segment here if you if, if anyone uh, calls in and texts in please do that I'd be happy to answer all of the questions perhaps in a, in a future episode uh, but we'll we'll just start here I've been prepping this for about a week and a half talking about uh, uh, you know, uh, recommending you to call in, hopefully, or text into the podcast, and we got a good response on the text line. Not many on the phone line, but here's a question from the area code 312, local here in Chicago. They say, how do you prep your shows, and where do you get the clips of people talking from? Uh, so first of all, I just want to explain the question. Um, so prep my shows, uh, obviously, I, I assume you're meaning like uh, show notes, uh, gathering information, getting sources, things like that. And then where do you get the clips of people talking from? That's like when I play sound of like, let's see if I can get a, here's, here's, this one's for later in the show about Trump and responding to Chris Cuomo, how I get like these clips. I think that what Chris Cuomo... So, uh, yeah, that's just an example. Um... So, uh, I'll answer the first part of your question. Uh, the, the shows, how I prep them, it's all actually done in Google Docs. It's not, uh, Google Docs. It's not, it's nothing fancy, really. Uh, I have a big folder template. Um, I create a new document for every show. It's about, uh, five to six pages for every show. Uh, just notes about things, um, what I plan to do, what I want to mention, just kind of more for me. I don't, uh, I don't publish any of the show notes, or I, I used to, and you can actually go ahead and look at the website. I'm like episodes probably 40 to 70, uh, maybe 40 to 60. I published a lot of the show notes, but the posts were too long. They were pretty unorganized. Uh, when I do my show notes, they're organized, but it's kind of me just jotting down random thoughts. It doesn't follow a very strict format as some of the, maybe the bigger podcasts do. Uh, so hopefully that answers your question. I really just talk about the topics at the, uh, in the beginning of every uh, show uh, prep. I can maybe even attach a document on the website for this episode. Um, uh, I, I write the script, of course, for the promo that you hear. I think people are also very curious, like, the promos, do you talk when you do that live? The answer is no, I do not do those promos when you hear in the beginning where before they say, well, this is the Jay Doherty podcast. That's all pre-recorded. It's actually sweetened many, I'm sure you could tell and my voice sounds a little bit better in those promos than it does on this podcast, uh, just because I do more sweetening, uh, and, and like I run it through, uh, an audition preset that I've custom, uh, prepared. 
uh, and that that's how that happened. So that's all pre-recorded on uh, there, and I wrote the script up there. Below that, I talk about the topics that I want to mention, so I can briefly run through them, and then also uh, just a, an outline for this like kind of a table of contents, just. Uh, for this document specifically, so I can easily jump to anything whenever I want to make a point. Uh, that's a lot of times actually how I sometimes, you know, I'll get on a tangent kind of like I'm doing right now, and I'll just like uh, easily jump to information that um, is like super quickly, which is something they can't do very much on big network shows or even larger podcasts just because. Um, you know, there's a lot of cameras there, there's more people watching them, it's far highly, you know, more produced, they have managers running them, the program directors, all that stuff, I don't have any of that, I'm just a one-man person, I, and I, and I prep all the stuff myself, uh, and so yeah, I do, do it in Google Docs, I write a, uh, one and a half to two page synopsis on each story, a lot of bullet points, a lot of sound bites that I get, and I just, you know, uh, sometimes write outlines for monologues and things like that, uh, and, and that's, that's basically the answer to the first part of the question. The second part of the question about where I get the people, the clips of people talking from, uh, I get that from all over, uh, just a bunch of different sources within the media, um, of course, uh, primarily, actually, the source of it, uh, is YouTube, um, there's a lot of things that I grab from, you know, network archives and things like that, uh, additionally, they post a lot of interviews, like, uh, for example, NBC posts a lot of interviews, uh, Fox, of course, posts a lot of interviews, CNN does, I mean, uh, there's places all around the world, the Associated Press is phenomenal, totally unbiased source, uh, there, there's so many different sources that I get the audio from, uh, and I record that directly into Audition, and I, of course, uh, make sure to cite, uh, all the sources that they came from, uh, many times, though, the the inter the, unless it's an exclusive interview, uh, many of the the places uh, will have you know m many many outlets will have the speeches of the president and things like that. So it doesn't matter as much in those cases. But to, to answer your question, I get them from all over. I record them into Audition. I uh, export them into a folder uh, on my server. I copy that folder for the episode onto an external drive hooked up to my computer. That external drive then is imported into the software I use to play the clips called QLab. I play the clips, I route them through the output, they go through the board, you hear them in my headphones, and subsequently hear them in Audition once again. Sounds much easier, uh, or looks much easier when you do it, uh, sounds much harder when you talk about it, but that's the case for that. Hopefully that answers your question, uh, if it doesn't, let me know. Uh, the number again, 312-625-8492. Another one from uh, Suburb of Chicago, 708, says, I've listened for a long time, and I still don't know how you get breaking news. Uh, well, again, just um, all around, obviously. Uh, I get it from uh, big networks normally have, because they have cameras and in places everywhere, uh, they... They uh, have a lot of, you know, uh, sources all around the country that will feed them breaking news. I have actually, right now, I have CNN and Fox on two different monitors that are sitting on the left and right of me, so I always know exactly what's going on while I'm recording the podcast. If there's any breaking news, I can always break it live on the air. Um, and maybe you're talking, I don't do much, I mean, I used to, but now I don't do much breaking news, uh, like, live in, in the segments. Maybe you're talking about uh, 708, like, maybe you're talking about how, 
um, I get information so quickly. Uh, the reason, the, the the way I do that is actually a lot of times I'll look up things with my microphone muted uh, while other clips are playing, or I'll just use that table of contents feature and um, and use the trackpad on my computer to just quickly and silently move around the document. You don't even hear it. Like for example, it's kind of obnoxious, uh, and I've learned this just from me me uh, doing this. It's kind of obnoxious to hear the mouse click like this, um, and it. It hurts your ears when you're listening to... I mean, it doesn't hurt, but it's annoying when you uh, listen to this in the podcast afterwards when you hear these mouse clicks. Uh, what I found, though, is the uh, Apple trackpad is actually really silent. I, I don't really think it's a great full-time mouse. I use a Logitech MX Master, but... Um, the Apple trackpad is silent, it lets you scroll super easily, and it's really good for scrolling and moving and just overall like directional flow within the computer, uh, and it's really good because it's silent, I can click around the document super fast and no one knows that I'm doing it, uh, and it actually makes for a much more fluent show in my opinion, so... Uh, yeah, that's how I do it. I just, it, a lot of times I have the information in the document. If it really is breaking news and it just happened as I'm, uh, you know, broadcasting out over the air, I have, uh, the, the, uh, inputs from major networks coming in to the studio at all times so I can always know exactly what is going on, uh, in the world. All right, let's move on to the next uh, question here. Let's see. What do we have on the text line? 330 area code. I wonder where that's from. Uh, let me see. Uh, they say, who is the best 2020 candidate? Um, hold on. First of all, I just want to see where you are texting from. Uh, Ohio. Oh, cool. We have listeners in Ohio. Well, thank you from, uh, 330 in Ohio. Thank you for texting. Um, Who's the best 2020 candidate? You know, I don't know. It's very, very early in the race. I, in the race, I could not uh, say, to be honest, um, at the moment. I think people, the, the the number one person that, and I know that's such a political response to say, I don't know at the moment, but it really is true. I, I couldn't make, I couldn't give you a great answer at the moment. If you ask me again, probably in, in about uh, eight months, I probably could. But um, to be honest, I think the person who shows the most potential and is, is totally underrated is Andrew Yang. He is very, he's pretty radical in many of his uh, policies, especially his flagship uh, universal income policy, but he is really smart. He understands how the government works, and to be, and, and he's starting to become more of a politician, he's starting to want the office more, uh, but I think initially, he, he, he knew he was smart, he knew he could be the president if he wanted to, and I've said this in previous episodes too, I don't know if he really, really wants to be the president, I don't know if he really wants the office, I think, and, and I could be wrong, that could be a total... Uh, you know, uh, poor assessment of Andrew Yang, but that's just what I've gathered. I, I think he's super smart. He could do a lot of great for the country, a lot of really good things for the country. He's not the average politician whatsoever, but he doesn't have the lack of electability that you see in many political novices. There's a lot of times that you see, like, uh, for example, I don't, I, I can't name many people, I guess, at, off the top of my head. Uh, let's see. Uh, for, for example, maybe Pete Buttigieg. Now, Pete Buttigieg, of course, is super smart. He, he knows his facts very well. Initially, though, there was that question about electability. Is he electable? Like, is he a legitimate candidate? Like, he's super smart, but can he, could you see him, like, actually sitting in front of the Oval Office, you know, in, in front of that desk? People a lot of times said no. Now they're starting to lean to yes. I said the same thing. I said no for Andrew Yang, but now I'm saying, well, you know, he actually seems a lot more electable than Pete Buttigieg, to be honest, even though Pete Buttigieg may be uh, more 
more book smart. Uh, Andrew Yang has a lot of experience uh, creating jobs and doing things like that, whereas even though Pete Buttigieg has more executive experience than the vice president, uh, vice, pre- uh, yeah, vice president, uh, more political experience than the president, more military experience than George W. Bush, H. W. Bush. Yeah, that's obviously just talking point. It's very true. But in terms of job creation, Andrew Yang has that a benefit, and he also has the experience of being hardcore in the economy. So they're both very diverse. They both could use each other's. Um, uh, tactics. I would be interested to see. I know people have been saying like, "Oh, what if Andrew Yang is vice president and Pete Buttigieg is uh, president, or the other way around?" Uh, I don't, and that's kind of a weird combination, in my opinion. But they do have one. You know, Pete Buttigieg's weaknesses are Andrew Yang's strength. Andrew Yang's strengths. Pete Buttigieg's weakness. That's just what I uh, view. Speaking of Andrew Yang, I actually uh, before he came on the air today about uh, let's see. Uh, 11.10 a.m. this morning, uh, I got an email from Yang's campaign after I reached out for an interview request. They say, due to the Im- uh, numerous invitations and requests we get for Andrew to speak, we cannot promise a definite date or availability, uh, and then they referred me to to email someone else for a potential interview, so stay tuned for a potential interview with Andrew Yang if you want to listen to that. Uh, very, very excited and happy to uh, host Andrew if possible. Uh, Andrew's campaign, if you're listening... Uh, just reach out to me. I'd be happy to to uh, have him on the show, and I, I think it would be just very honored. Uh, I'd be very honored to have him on the show. Um, all right, so hopefully that answers your question. Um, probably didn't. It didn't answer the question. I would be dissatisfied with my answer if I were you, uh, but... Uh, that's just as much as I could probably give you right now. I think a lot of another person that is smarter than uh, he lets on is Cory Booker. Uh, he seems to interject a lot of emotions into his stuff, even though he knows the policy so well. He just doesn't. He's in, in my opinion, he doesn't really let it shine as much as he should. He's starting to do it. He's learned that, but um, you know, emotions play big for Democrats, and that's what he's tapping into, so I suppose he's not doing anything wrong, it's just, in my opinion, he's smarter than he lets on, again, just my opinion. All right, 617, that's the area code of the next text, they say, where's the live stream, uh, how do you do 24 hours, there's a typo, I think that's what they mean, how do you do 24 hours, um, so the live stream is at j-story.com slash live. I, I say that, I think, pretty frequently. Uh, and um, I do 24 hours. Oh, it's actually a really good question. Uh, hold on. Let me, before, I just want to understand where you're calling from. So let me look up. Where is the 617 area code from? Boston. Oh, wow. We have listeners in Boston. It says it is serving uh, Massachusetts, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Cam- uh, Cambridge, Newton, and Quincy. So those, uh, if you're if you're listening and you know that you are in Boston, thank you very much for listening. I am very appreciative of your listenership. Uh, to answer your question, though, how do I do 24 hours? Um, so I've tried so many different ways to do this in the past. A lot of times, just behind the scenes, not even going live. The way I do it is I have an old Mac Mini uh, that is running a continuous QLab. Uh, what's what's the word? They it's like a QLab. Um, I guess you could, I think it's just called a show, a QLab show, and it runs constantly, all the episodes, uh, I upload them to a network server, the network server, I remotely access the Mac Mini uh, from my computer that I'm recording this into, and then I uh, drag that file in, they're all automated, so they play one after another, like, constantly, and then 
Uh, and, and yeah, that's that. It just plays and plays and plays. It goes 24 hours. You can listen to it at j-dory.com slash live. Uh, and then when I actually go on the air, the way I am playing that is through an, a separate mixer. It's a cheaper Mackie mixer. Um, it only has, I think, eight channels, maybe six, not that many. Um, and it's taking, the way it's doing is taking the output of the headphone jack, which is where the Q-Lab is going out from. It takes the inputs of the reruns. And then it takes that and sends it back over USB into OBS, which is Open Broadcaster Systems. That OBS feeds the stream and the image that goes along with it out to the internet, and that's how that happens. Uh, and then when I actually go live, it's a separate channel that comes out of my Behringer PowerPlay device, which is in the rack. And on channel, let's see, uh, channel, let's see, that's eight, so five. Channel five of the Behringer Power Play goes into channel six of the mixer, of the other, the separate mixer. And then that separate mixer, I take the fader on channel seven down, take the, which is where the reruns come from, and then take the fader on channel six up. Those are the live streams, uh, and that's what you hear when you're going out live. Uh, the reason I do that, as opposed to, taking the stream down temporarily, booting it back up from my computer, and just taking the output from the Behringer mixer that I use uh, here, the mother load here. This is a crazy mixer, the Behringer X32 Compact. Um, it's not routed correctly for live streaming. I have it very, I've routed it very specifically, so I can take certain inputs from certain applications and do it in certain, in specific ways that I use, and, um, it's much easier to just do it with a separate interface, so that's what I've chosen to do, um, and then I can also just easily take the output, uh, of the Behringer. It's a mono channel, so it's not stereo. I could do it stereo, but the, the problem is, and if anyone who, who knows audio is listening to this, it's a mono channel, so when I take it out, um, the left, of course, is, is active and on, but the right side of that ch channel is dead. It's just blank. There's nothing on there. Uh, of course, I could take the, and it's a stereo cable going into the mixer and a mono cable going out, so it's 2x TRS stereo to 1x mono. Uh, I could take, though, the, uh, I could do a stereo to stereo, I suppose, but then, because the channels don't link on the Behringer PowerPlay device, um, it is kind of impossible uh, to do that, uh, at least have the synchronicity within the ears, uh, because the the dials are so inaccurate that even if I were to try to have the same levels, it would always be incorrect, and I don't even do that much stereo stuff on here, so there's not even really a reason to, uh, to do that. Uh, so that's just my little spin on that. Another Chicago text has poured into this fine studio. 312 says, uh, is this a question? No, it doesn't look like it. It just says, your podcast is very informative. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that's that's the goal. Uh, the goal is to understand the news. I appreciate your text. Um, let's see. There's a lot of great comments in here. I don't want to praise myself too much. Uh, so let me scroll down to... Um, Let's see, uh, 773, another Chicago one, says, take the number of days off and unplug from a certain number of things that God tells you to do, and he will make you strong. Alright, that is, I suppose, decent advice. I'm not a big fan of vacations, though. I don't like to take time off. Uh, I, th I love exactly what I do, and I think it is, uh, I think vacations are the, uh, functional equivalent of uh, complete and utter misery, in my fine opinion. So long as I'm doing what I am uh, what I am doing, I think if I were to go, I mean, I cannot, I literally, I cannot stand 
and I, I say this very seriously, I'm not joking, it makes me very, very anxious to, like, sit down uh, in a public place and just do nothing, or, you know, sit in, I mean, you know, sit down at a beach or something, that would just be the so miserable, in my opinion, uh, I, I would hate my, I really just hate my life, to be honest, uh, and, and I say that, and not joking whatsoever, I love working, I love constantly being a source of information, I love sitting down at this desk, recording, making information, and getting constant news into here, which I suppose is, has its good things and bad things, um, that go along with it, uh, mostly good, I, I would think, right, I mean, I, I, um, I, you know, you don't want to obviously burn yourself out. I, people talk about that all the time. As long, so long as what I'm doing, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing, I never really get burnt out, to be honest. I um, I think I get enough sleep for me to do what I do, uh, you know, somewhat well, or at least in a functioning uh, manner. Although, recently, uh, I uh, stopped my internship for the final weeks, or the final week of summer, uh, and I'm gonna go back to school, of course, but, um, I started really just increasing the work, the amount of work I do, the workload, it's been really, really great, I wake up every day, energized, ready to go at, like, 4.30 in the morning, I get into this studio at 5 a.m., and I just take in all of the news, prepare for the shows, record in the morning, uh, and the other podcast that I just revamped, uh, and then from, and so yeah, I record that, I'm done with all the recording stuff, at about 1pm, I'll take a 20 minute lunch break or whatever, and do that stuff, and then I'll come back at 1pm, and from 1 to basically about 9.30pm, uh, it's just research for the next day, and I just love it, I wish I could do this for the rest of my life, and hopefully I will be able to do that someday, to, uh, be totally honest. Um, let's see here, um, let me scroll through these texts here, I accidentally lost the tab, and let's see, 901 says, you should do YouTube, uh, in what context, I, I do do the YouTube live stream, um, but I suppose maybe you're meaning videos, like informative videos, uh, let's see, where is the 901 area code from, uh, let's see, Arlington, Tennessee, very cool, very cool, thank you for listening in Tennessee, um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, you should do YouTube. Well, uh, I used to do YouTube videos. Uh, they're so. I mean, that talk about a huge time consumer. That I mean, I would spend uh, hours upon hours upon hours upon hours editing videos, uh, and I think uh, editing audio, getting the audio, and constantly being a source of information, and you know, have. I mean. Right now, I'm pretty uh, busy. I would love to do YouTube if I had more time. In fact, if I didn't have school and I didn't have, uh, you know, internships and things like that, I probably would do YouTube stuff and constantly push out content, information. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of um, stuff going on, but it's certainly something that I would consider. In fact, if I had more time, as I said before, I would do it. Right now, I run basically three podcasts, two what are being deemed in my mind as full-time media companies, 324-7 websites. I'm building an internet radio station uh, for a totally separate project. Um, and then I also have to go to school and do internships and things like that. So it's kind of busy, but I'd definitely be open to doing you doing YouTube, and I appreciate your suggestion. So thank you very much, uh, listener from Arlington, Tennessee. Uh, I am just incredibly, incredibly Grateful. All right, we'll do one more text before we move on to Chris Cuomo. Um, let us find a text that would be suitable for this fine 
uh, podcast. Um, let's go to uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, where someone says, uh, how do you do phone calls? Um, so I assume you're meaning on the podcast. This is about the podcast. Uh, from time to time, I will have phone calls. I have guests on the phone. Um, I do this through, of course, the Behringer. Uh, it goes through Aux 3 and 4, it's stereo channel. It goes from my cell phone. I take a mix, minus, input, and output. goes straight through there, and that's it. Um, yeah, I hear them in my headphones. It goes over the recording, and uh, the channel 1 and 2, which is also a stereo channel, is the audio that I play for like sound and stuff, and the, to the right of that is the phone, so I easily have access. Right now, of course, there's no one on the phone, so it'll just sound like hiss. Let me see. You can maybe hear that hiss right there, uh, and that's what it, that's what that sounds like. Yeah. Um, uh, so that that's how I do the the phone line stuff. Um, and if you have any other questions, of course you can you can call them in three one two six two five eight four nine two. Those are all the questions I'm going to take. Maybe I'll do more on episode one hundred one. A lot of stuff planned for that one. Of course, I'm going to talk about more about the Hong Kong stuff and, and other things like that. Uh, but we got to move on now. We'll talk about Chris Cuomo. Uh, he was just recently a verbal altercation uh, with a conservative man who approached him at a uh, at a place uh, restaurant with his family. He uh, was very aggressive in his response. We'll talk about what I mean and uh, how the media is reacting right after this, right here on the Jay Doherty podcast. So Chris Cuomo, he's an anchor on CNN. He hosts the primetime slots. Actually called uh, primetime. That's the name of. His show it starts from it goes it goes from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Um, in my opinion, the whole situation, looking in the long term, he handled it very well. Although at, at the at the moment that it actually happened, he totally lost it when a guy came up to him and started attacking him and his show and and just him as a person. The the guy called him supposedly Fredo before uh, the whoever caught this started rolling and Chris Cuomo was just very very mad here's the clip I thought that, I thought, I thought that's who you were no fucking from the right call me Fredo my name is Chris Cuomo I'm an anchor on CNN oh, you're much Fredo is from the Godfather he was that weak brother isn't that your and they brother, use though? it as an Italian aspersion any of you Italian are you Italian I got, I got a little it's a an insult to your people it's an insult to your people it's like the n-word for us wow. is that a cool fucking thing you're gonna have a all right so that was a little bit too much aggression in my opinion uh he should not buy into trolls in my opinion you see that i just pressed the enter key and it was going on the computer while the channel was still up uh so that's a little blooper see i can press the enter key now and nothing will happen but when the channel is up like that, you hear that. So that's QLab. Uh, he totally lost it with way too much aggression. Uh, I, he, he even said that he shouldn't buy into these trolls. He used different language, but that's basically the, the message of his uh, tweet. He, I think he said, I shouldn't buy into the bait. Uh, a lot of people have been saying, especially on the right, that if if Chris Cuomo was uh, a conservative commentator or perhaps if he was a female, it would be a totally different story. It would be it would be, and I agree with that. I think that the media, uh, of course, is tainted, very slanted to the left, but. Uh, at the same time, I think the the handle the handling of this situation was actually pretty well, uh, pretty pretty well dealt with. Um, Sean Hannity, his very very adamant uh, competitor, 
actually responded on Twitter uh, about Chris, Chris Cuomo. Uh, let's see here. So, he actually um, said on Twitter immediately after, or at least uh, quickly after, um, the the incident happened when, when uh, Chris Cuomo tweeted out this video. Um, he said that, uh, actually, I think he said it on his show, too. Uh, Sean Handy said, I don't think he needed to apologize to anyone, and then he also apologized on Twitter, saying, quote, uh, let's see here, where did he say, well, Chris Cuomo, actually, you know, I mean, obviously, he apologized, the, the prompting for Sean Hannity to say that he didn't need to apologize came as a result of Chris Cuomo tweeting out, quote, appreciate all the support, but truth is, I should be better than the guys baiting me, this happens all the time these days, often in front of my family, but there is a lesson, no need to add to the ugliness, I should be better than what I oppose, uh, I agree with that, I completely, completely, completely agree with that, and, uh, he should not, um, he should not say that, uh, and, and, you know, he shouldn't, he, he, he totally overreacted, although, uh, I empathize with him because I, I follow him on Instagram, I see the incredibly harsh comments against him, against his uh, children, against his whole family, uh, it's very, very, uh, divisive time, and so many people constantly attack him and insult him, uh, if that's what it looks like on Instagram, I can only imagine what it looks like in public, in fact, a lot of the people, a lot of people on the, on the far right, they don't even, like, listen to his show, they watch Fox News, who references parts of his show, and he actually works, in my opinion, out of all of the many CNN hosts, he works the hardest on his show, he knows the facts, he, he gets it, uh, he gets after it, as he says on his show, and, and, um, I think, to, to say, the you know, to act the way that he did in front of people in public and the way that the guy prompted him to do so is totally uh, wrong. And, you know, people, of course, on the right make fun of him all the time. Uh, and just like the, the left makes fun of the right, it goes both ways. But I think at the same time, uh, it's very, very uh, important to remember that, you know, while they may be joking about this and they even may feel serious about this, sometimes the physical violence and the altercations in person, no one would ever actually have that, even if they were both famous. Uh, but the, the big thing that the right is talking about, especially uh, big activists and things like that on the right, have said, you know, if this was... Uh, if this happened to, like, a female or someone on the right, it would be totally, a totally different story, different headlines, the whole thing would be completely, um, different. They said, you know, that, for example, uh, Donald Trump, of course, said that, um, uh, and of course he's gonna say this, he says CNN is fake news, but he, he says that Chris Cuomo totally lost it, uh, what he did was terrible, he said that on, on Twitter, responding to the big feud, just adding fuel to his fake news fire. And then he also said in front of the White House yesterday that what he did was, in his opinion, very wrong. I think that what Chris Cuomo did was horrible. His language was horrible. He looked like a total out-of-control animal. He lost it. And frankly, I don't think anybody should defend him because he spews lies every night. So I don't know why anybody would defend him, but I watched it. I thought it was terrible. Anybody that would have seen Chris Cuomo would have said that was a disgrace. You've never seen me do that. Well, I think Chris Cuomo was so out of control that I would not have wanted to see a weapon in his hand. I guess his fist is not a weapon. Or he would have done something. You know, he talked about it, but he didn't do anything. But I think Chris Cuomo was very much out of control. Yeah. 
so that's what he says. Sorry but for that, that uh, loud audio there, but that is uh, John, Donald Trump's consensus. Of course, that's exactly what I thought he would say. He would, he's going to you know, stick to his message, appeal to his base. Megan McCain, a prominent conservative talk show host who is on that show that I utterly despise called The View, uh, she says, however you feel about Chris Cuomo's behavior today, there's not one uh, woman in all of media who could be filmed in public and an uh, obscenity-filled tirade and be supported by their network and public the way he is right now. Uh, men get to be tough and swear. Women are, quote, unhinged. I uh, have to say I agree with her. Um, I don't think... Um, I don't think, uh, you know, the way that she approached it and saying that is totally uh, the best way to do it. But I, I do agree. If someone like Sean Hannity, uh, Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, um, any of, pro any you know, any pro or Tucker Carlson or any of them, all those far-right hosts, I mean, if they were to do that, their careers would be over. They would be attacked constantly, constantly, constantly on the left. Uh, and... You know, Chris Cuomo had such a huge benefit of the doubt. In fact, I think if uh, Tucker Carlson or or any big host in Fox were to ever, ever say anything like that, uh, they would feel pressure uh, to resign. They might even be fired. Um, it's totally unfair, and it's that's just the way the the world is, in my opinion. Uh, and and Chris Cuomo should have done better. So I I, I do want to go both ways on that. Um, I think he totally lost it in the heat of the moment, but generally in the long term, he handled it pretty well, apologizing. He didn't double down like Trump frequently does. He backed off a little bit and said, you know, I lost it. But I completely uh, empathize with him because uh, I'm sure at least five times a day, every single day, there's someone that comes up to him and just, you know, harasses him and subsequently his family who's there to see it. And it's just terrible. Very, very ugly. And, and that's that's the case, so... Not good there, but that's my view on it. I think uh, overall he handled it well. I think the criticism that he's getting, for the most part, except for the president, is fair. Uh, and yeah, that is what I, uh, that's what I've taken away from it. You know, a couple of years ago I actually met Chris Cuomo in his studio when he hosted New Day in the morning. He no longer hosts that show. He hosts, of course, primetime, as I said before. Uh, but he is a very smart guy. Um, the reason that he, I suppose, was so offended by this is because his brother, Andrew Cuomo, who is the governor of New York, uh, is they, they constantly, or at least a running joke that they have, I don't know if it's like a joke that he gets offended by or whatever, that, um, you know, who's more smart, who's more successful. I mean, they're both very successful. One's an anchor, a primetime on, like, the biggest network, or the second biggest network in the country, and the other one's the governor of the uh, biggest city in the country. So, a uh, very successful group of uh, brothers, and they also had a very successful father, Mario Cuomo, uh, and, you know, they're big, they're New Yorkers, and, and they're Italians, and they're very proud, and they're very smart people. I, I admire both of them, and uh, uh, I just hope everything continues to be fair, I, uh, you know, on both sides. So that's my case. I don't want to go on for too long. we got to move on now. Uh, I want to tell you about this podcast that I revamped. And I don't want to take away from this podcast, of course. I would never do that. And I know this is all about the Joy the Jay Doherty podcast. But if you want to broaden your horizons and take in a very quick episode of a podcast of my voice, talking more specifically about the facts and not my opinions, stay tuned because you're going to uh, want to hear uh, this very 
very important message. Now, of course, I exaggerate when I say that. Of course, it's subjective whether you think of you know it's important or not. But uh, do you remember that podcast I used to do called the Weekly File? I did about two or three episodes of that back in the day uh, in February of this year. I stopped for a while though, uh, for a lot of reasons. It takes a lot of time to script shows out completely. Uh, but this now I'm totally revamping it. It's a totally separate podcast. And the new slogan, wait till you hear this, this is just so clever. All the news, just the facts. Uh, I know, I'm, I'm sure, I, I've never seen that actually used. I looked it up to make sure that it wasn't used, and it isn't. I think that's actually a pretty decent slogan, especially these days when you don't see that that much. But this whole podcast is all about the news, no opinions of mine. It's just a quick five to six minute digest of everything that's happening in the news, everything that's making the headlines today. So you can listen it, listen to it every Monday morning when you, or every Friday when, or even every Saturday and Sunday because, well actually no, probably every Monday, yeah. Every Monday morning, you can listen to this podcast. This It comes out every morning at five in the morning, every single Monday. It's going to do that for as long as I say so. And it's just five to six minutes of totally scripted, unbiased news what's happening in the country and around the world. We just did an episode this morning, especially for this podcast, so you can hear it. It's up right now. You can find it at thedohertyfiles.com. It's completely all just news. Here it is. Here's your host, Jay Doherty. Hello, I'm Jay Doherty, and this is the top news for today, August 14th, 2019. It's 6.30 a.m. in Chicago. You're listening to the Doherty Files on the JD Media Network. Our lead story today is the many protests in Hong Kong. At the moment this is being recorded, the protests continue to ensue at Hong Kong International Airport. These uprisings, which are now being deemed as riots initiated in June to fight back a now suspended proposed bill which would have extradited people to mainland China, a part of the world that does not have a track record of being fair in all rulings. Hong Kong's chief executive Carrie Lam said publicly she made a mistake by proposing the bill in the first place. People have expressed in a peaceful and rational manner their concerns about the fugitive offenders ordinance and their dissatisfaction and disappointment with the government, especially me. The chief executive now admits the violence is out of her control, according to Reuters. Hong Kong society is not safe or stable. The rioters have pushed Hong Kong to the brink of no return. The bill is now suspended but not formally withdrawn from consideration. As a result, the protests continue and police brutality within Hong Kong's international airport, where the protests are happening, is widespread. At the moment, though, it seems the police are being outnumbered by rioters at the airport as a number of undercover officers have been hospitalized. This prompted international leaders to address the issue. UK Foreign Minister writing on Twitter, in part, we condemn the violence and encourage a constructive dialogue to find a peace way forward. U.S. President Donald Trump advising everyone on both sides to stay safe and calm and also mentioned Chinese military services are scheduled to arrive in the coming days on Twitter. Now, our weekly look at the 2020 race for president. Politico is reporting that Democratic candidate Bernie Sanders is restructuring his debate strategy to more obtusely target his fellow high-ranking candidates, more specifically Joe Biden. According to his team, the Vermont senator is going to make a more noticeable effort to highlight the policies most unique to him, one of which being his signature issue, Medicare for All. Sanders told Politico that he sees Medicare as a, quote, defining issue of the 2020 campaign. Nonetheless, Sanders, who is at the top in fundraising right now, is hoping to boost his relatively high 
high poll numbers. He plans to do this by not only bolstering verbal support for his health care plan, but also focusing his attacks on moderate candidates like former Vice President Joe Biden. Both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden will debate alongside Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Jamie Klobuchar, Cory Booker, Beto O'Rourke, and Andrew Yang in the next debate, hosted by ABC. That debate is currently scheduled for September 12, 2019, will simulcast on Univision. The Jay Doherty Podcast will have live coverage along with the Doherty Files on the JD Media Network. A look now at our business stories. All U.S. markets closed up high yesterday after the Trump administration decided to temporarily put off or permanently remove tariffs on select Chinese products, which is leading investors to feel hopeful the U.S. and Beijing could reach a resolution in the near future. The tariffs were originally scheduled to be implemented on Tuesday, August 13th, and were delayed by the United States Trade Representative Office, which cited concerns these tariffs would affect the overall national security and well-being of the country. As for dialogue, Chinese Commerce official Vice Premier Liu has spoken over the phone with both U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin about the tariff delay. The high-ranking officials both plan to speak to each other in the coming weeks about when they can expect some of the tariffs to be imposed. A full check on how the markets closed yesterday and how they plan to open today at the end of this episode. In technology this week, Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk is in the news for taking the relatively eccentric approach in supporting presidential candidate Andrew Yang very early in the race. Yang tweeted Monday in part, quote, my main hope is that people trust that I'm trying to solve the problems and I'm open to different approaches, particularly if the data drives in a particular direction. Changing one's mind is not a bad thing. Just 17 minutes later, tech entrepreneur Elon Musk tweeted, quote, I support Yang. Popular modern-day influencers like Casey Neistat and others have also drawn support for Andrew Yang, which has prompted more media coverage of his campaign. Before we close out the podcast today, a brief look at how the numbers are being affected on Wall Street as of Wednesday morning at 6.50 a.m. Central Standard Time before the markets open. Yesterday was a good day across the board for the United States and many of the major world markets. Now, though the Nasdaq, S&P 500, and Dow Jones Industrial Average futures are pointing to negative territory. Analysts say this could mean a recession is coming. First, though, we'll look at how the Dow, Nasdaq, and S&P closed up yesterday. Dow up 1.44% at 26.279.91. The Nasdaq up nearly 2% at 80.16.36 and the S&P 500 up about uh, 1.5% at 29.26.32 up 42.57 points. U.S. stock futures are trading. The S&P 500 projected to go down 30 points at uh, over a percent. The Nasdaq down 87.75 at negative 113 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average at negative uh, 1.07% uh, that's down negative 282 points at 26.032.0 Look at now commodities uh, oil is the only major commodity that took a hit overnight. $56.18 is what it's trading at right now. That's down 1.61%. Gas, gold, silver, and corn all are staying relatively the same. Gas took a huge hike in price, though. Uh, up, that's one8 2%. Now look at the world markets. Japan and Hong Kong doing well, staying in relatively steady territory, even as the trade war within China continues to uh, manifest itself into the stock market. The London FTSE market and the Germany DAX market both took relatively large hits. The FTSE market at 71.76.15, down 1.03%. The Germany DAX market down 1.6%, 11.562.31. Both of those markets are open as of right now. Here are all these stories and more on the DohertyFiles.com. That's all the news for this mid-August week. I'm Jay Doherty for the Doherty Files. So that's what you have right there. That is the 
weekly file podcast right out of the Doherty Files. We thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to share that with you because it, um, if you like that stuff, if you really just want the digest of what's happening in the news, minus all of my opinions, which uh, some people find somehow they find them annoying. But uh, if you don't, if you don't want to listen to that, I completely understand. Uh, all the news written by me, completely uh, just consolidated in one platform. You can listen to that on the weekly file. You can listen to it. Uh, we're still getting on podcast directories at the moment. Uh, Google Play. We're on Google Play. Uh, right now, we're going to be on Spotify and iTunes in the next coming days. Uh, where else are we going to be on? Uh, other places. All, all the places. Stitcher Radio. Uh, all the places that you find this podcast on. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we'll get on iHeart once we get enough uh, traction uh, for the podcast. But that is what's happening right now. I mentioned uh, that we're going to be following the stock market. And as you heard, I talked about Dow and S&P futures uh, at the end of that episode. Right now, we're following the markets. The Dow now down uh, over 2% at 2.26% at 25.686.86. NASDAQ down over 2.5% at 7811.07. That's down 205.39. S&P 500 at negative uh, 2.28% at 2859.81. That is down uh, just 66.62 points. But it's a far larger, far smaller ratio at 2859.96 for the point total at the moment. Hong Kong and Japan are actually doing really well in the world markets. Japan almost up a full percent. Hang Seng market in Hong Kong up 0.08% at 25.302.28. That's up 21 points. The FTSE 100 market in uh, London took a big hit. Uh, not as big as Germany, though. The DAX market in Germany down 2.19%, 11.492.66. That's down just over 251 points. Uh, in commodities, uh, I said before that oil was the only one that took a big hit over the, uh, you know, in the past day or so. That is not the case anymore. Oil took a huge, bigger hit, though, down 4%, over 4%, nearly 5% at the moment. Gas down nearly a percent at $2.13. Corn at 373 down 0.93%. Of course, this prompted the president all of this failure in the stock market area. Uh, President Trump has responded to all of these. About two hours ago, he said on Twitter, quote, The Fed has to do something. The Fed, the central bank of the United States, not the central bank of the world. He was quoting Mark Grant from Varney, uh, Varney & Co., he said, correct, the Federal is, this is the president reacting to it, uh, for the Federal Reserve acted far too quickly and now is very, very late. Too bad, so much gain on the upside. Of course, he's distracting there. Uh, from the real issue, he employs the Fed, he, he uh, oversees the Fed, it's his job as the president to oversee the Fed, but that's the case right there for President Trump, just nothing new in that area, uh, but that's the case so far. So thank you for listening to this episode, uh, we covered a lot, I hope I answered all of your many questions, and as I said before, I just want to thank you so much for listening to this episode, because uh, hopefully we can do another hundred, and another hundred, and another hundred, and then at some point we'll get to a thousand, and then we'll be able to do another thousand, and then another thousand, and then 98 more thousands, and then you get a hundred thousand. And uh, then we do a hundred more of those. No, I'm kidding. We do ten more of those, and we get to a million, and we do a hundred more of those, and we get to billions and billions and billions of podcast episodes. That's the goal. Alright, thank you so much for listening. It's 12.41pm uh, right now, Central Standard Time. I appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for another episode right here of the Jay Doherty Podcast. Podcast.